Hey now, say now, you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. Um, I could finally say it, man. We're back in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. Don't it feel good? <laughs> it feel good already. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, obviously, we was you in know, the crib with we, we was We was at the house recording. We were in quarantine. <laughs> we weren't recording at the studio. Um, so the last few episodes or so. We already uh, live. Her, if, <laughs> if you just joined, if you just joined this podcast as a listener, you probably thought, we just recorded at the house because obviously we've been in quarantine and that's where you've been hearing us record from. But long before that, we've been recording from our studios here in Portland, Oregon. But now we're here. We're in phase one in Multnomah County, which is the county that the city of Portland is in. Neither one of us stay here in particular. So, you know, recording at the house was just what what we did. But now that we're in phase one in Multnomah County, we're trying to stick with the guidelines, man. It's still COVID-19 out there. I know we're protesting. We're doing a lot right now. We're excited to be back out and about because being inside was mentally taxing in a lot of ways, Daddy, I would I passed imagine. passed by Tim Barrel today. They was cracking like COVID never Yeah, existed. man. It was <laughs> People are outside. I'm sorry, but they was lit out there, okay? Now, granted, don't get me wrong. Working at Street Roots, I've been coming to Portland, even though I don't like live directly within the confines of the city. I've been coming to Portland because my job was still open and I'm, I'm still working. And this is the city that I actually work in. So um, that was a thing. But as far as actually being out here, recording at the studio, obviously my DJ gigs, for those of you, like I said, that aren't new to this podcast, that knew you know, when the podcast existed, when I promoted a lot of my gigs on here, all of that got shut down. Obviously, basketball season got shut down as well. Even though I was able to finish my portion of the season out as a commentator, there was still March Madness remaining uh, for the guys to go play in the postseason conference tournament. And who knows, maybe Portland State would have made it to the uh, NCAA tournament because they were hot at the end of the year. But anyway, yeah, we're back in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, and you probably can hear it in the energy, like you said. It It feels feels real good. good. It feels real good. So I'm glad to be back in studio here. Um, Quick announcements. D-Boy, you got anything? You got got anything releasing, dropping? Did you? Yeah, man. We've been working on something that's been kind of a long time coming now. Um, I made a song called Question God before. um, Well, right after Ahmaud Arbery got killed, and... um, soon before the the murder of George Floyd. So with all that being said, the timing of it with what I talked about and spit on the track, um, very relatable to a lot of our thoughts and feelings and what we're going through and experiencing at this time right now, in addition to COVID-19. So uh, with that being said, we did a video for it because we felt like with us being in Portland, where it's getting a lot of national coverage for how hard Portland has been protesting and consistent, you know, with this movement. So with that being said, we got a lot of visuals that are heartfelt and very authentic as to what's taking place here in the city of Portland. In addition to, like I said, the relatable feeling and vibe of the overall song. So that video will be releasing next thursday or friday i haven't decided the official date yet but i'm gonna say friday as of right now so that'll be coming out late next week called question god the song is already out you can see the visualizer on my vivo channel um just search d-boy ltd i also just dropped a uh a live band performance yeah, called Player that, that you really like too. So that we dropped was that fire. last week. Um, I've been trying to drop something every week just to stay consistent with the quality and uh, the momentum that we've kind of been gaining over this whole quarantine. So I, it's a lot to go see right now yeah. for me on, on, on the, on the ground. I do want to ask you about the live performance uh, video in particular because obviously I've been a huge advocate for it. Um, I, I love live music. Portland actually is a live music city. There's a lot of live shows and a, live, a lot of live music yeah. Yeah. that happens out here and that's one of the things that I certainly love about this city in particular. Mm-hmm. But obviously with you, I've never really heard heard you over live music i don't think ever nobody has. I, I don't think i've ever <laughs> heard has. you perform over live music i don't mm-hmm. think i've ever heard you have a show where you had a live band there not to say you haven't ever performed with one right. but i wasn't in attendance so right. um you know like i said I'm, I'm a big tiny desk concert fan i really love those and yeah. just the music that i tend to consume 
a lot of people listen to music for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, some of it may be lyricism. Some of it may be relatability. Some of it may be the boom, the bass, the blap, the slap. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I like to listen to a lot of my music from a lens of how will this particular song, even if it is electronic, how will it translate to live Live. music? Because if if it can translate to live music, I feel like the sky's the limit for what the record could be able to do. That wouldn't work. And so I want to more so ask you, like, how do you feel now after releasing your first live band performance? Because I think that's a major step in, in, in your artistry. And I think it's probably one of the biggest elements of yeah. artistry to this day in my opinion obviously other people yeah, for look at things in, in other ways this, but yeah uh, how did it make this you feel? answer might surprise you because i'm usually always more so on a positive and optimistic note but when when this particular visual dropped and i got the response from like my core fan base and they kind of said the same thing that you did as far as like this is next level this is kind of the mastering of music this is in pocket you can sing all of these different things i was getting it kind of solidified that what i already think that i feel like i'm ready for the next level whatever the measure of next level may be and then you get the remembrance that like you wish that this could go viral you wish that this could get exposed to so many people because it's really talent like it's really valuable and different People could say that I rap good and gas all day, but when the response is like, this is next level, this is live, this is from all the different types of people that I got that from, it's like, man, I wish 500,000 people could see this. But because see, I feel like I was solidified a, 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 a big permanent fan base off of that. And I know things come full circle and it take time, but like I said, with the amount of time that I put in, when I drop certain things like this and see the difference of reaction it make me feel like damn i need more people to see this and it's, it's hard to ignore yeah absolutely it is hard to ignore but i'm glad you brought that up because for me i think one of kind of my missions in life actually reflects why it is that i love live music and why it is that i think live music is one of the stronger elements of artistry if you're you know, in the world of of song making and record making Mm -hmm. is because even if it doesn't go viral, Mm -hmm. it will never become distasteful. Facts. Facts. Because you think about it, you've released just about anything you release, you want it to do numbers. So you could say that, you know, whatever records you've made in the past, which there's been plenty of them, you wanted them all to succeed and do numbers and go viral, etc. But 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 what I'm saying is the uh feeling from the musicianship within this record, you know that if this one goes viral, it can't be denied. Exactly. That's, it it, that's it my can't be denied. Point. But that's also but that's to a also broad, broad, broad scale. But like, but going back to what I was saying about playing the long game, if you're releasing music and you're releasing content that can't be denied, the viral element to me really doesn't matter so much because once people get a hold of it they're going to hold on to it where mm-hmm. a viral moment, especially in a time like today where a lot of news is on demand um, and a lot of people go viral and get themselves in situations and put themselves in positions that they're really not ready for. Mm-hmm. So when, when we're introduced to you on a viral level, now we want you to be able to keep and maintain that same mm-hmm. status, that's those same numbers, yeah. and those and same that be done over and over content. again. And, and, and it's hard for a lot of people to, to do, do because and they're I, shooting to go viral rather than shooting right. for something that's going to be yeah. worthwhile. And, and, and once you get it, you'll hold on to it. Because we just shot this off of, this was the first time me and this band was all under the same roof together. And we accomplished two songs within two or three hours. So with that being said, we didn't plan on this going viral. But back to what I was saying, the feeling once it's released and you know that it's damn near undeniable yeah. across the board. You, you get you excited. You wanted to get exposed to as much people. Don't get me wrong. It's songs that I put out. Like you said, you want every song to do big numbers. But it's certain songs that I know I put out for a certain pocket or for a certain uh, target market, you know, or for a certain reason or for a certain time in history. Mm-hmm. And then it's other songs you just know where it's like, 
anybody could feel this. Like, yeah, and you want absolutely. that extra exposure. And like I said, I'm, I need to probably throw speed in there because I feel like this is something that's gonna hold his weight for enough time to where it'll come full circle. Like right. I said, and it will get seen and do what it do. But I'm gonna read one comment before you know from the song Go so that it. I can tell you. Go for it. Somebody posted, "Oh my God, this is a whole effing vibe." That man D-Boy did his thing. This song can be slapped for any occasion. I wish it was on Apple Music. Smooth shit right here, bro. You were in your bag for real. Then he proceeds. Bro, I'm seriously going to listen to this every morning to start my day. This shit is going to get my day going the right way. Thanks for the art, bro. Like I said. No time in my whole music career than this past two weeks since this all has been released have more people uh, thanked me for my art. Exactly. And I feel like that's another different. Ele- that's what I mean by the different feedback. When people start saying, "Oh, this guy is different," than someone saying, "Thanks for the art," but that's that means why, this holds value. Yeah, that's you why. Know? That's why I Period. said once they get a hold of it, they're gonna hold on to it. Mm-hmm, that was the exact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. reason I said that because, like I said, you get a hold of a viral moment and get a hold of another yeah, viral moment come and, go. and forget about the last viral yeah, moment. Yeah. Or, like I said, when you have that viral moment and people go and take a yeah. deep dive onto who you are, you're kind content and and the art that you put out in the past doesn't necessarily match the impact that your viral moment did now i'm not so interested in you anymore right right but when you do have that viral moment Mm -hmm. and they go back and they see this video Mm -hmm. it's like a resume for a job like live music to me i look at like a resume when you have a good resume you don't care so much about the viral moment because when the moment comes you have so much to stand on it's stuck it's It's there and and it's takeoff so that's that's why you know I, i i guess that was just some way to kind of get you to look at it because I can understand and you're an artist. Erica Badu said it best. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. Yeah, and and yeah. I can understand when you feel like you put out you something so yeah. great and you, you got one, yeah. you're sensitive when it doesn't get the reaction that you necessarily wanted to get. Mm-hmm. But in like the time I said, in, want, in the, in the you time know. you wanted to yeah. get. But like I said, just look at that as a part of a resume builder rather mm-hmm. than the moment you wanted to go viral. Because if you continue to put out content like that, yeah. the resume is going to speak, speak for itself. Once a person gets a hold to it, like yeah, I said, they're going to keep hold of it. So, so no, yeah, good. we got a lot. We got a yeah, lot. that's dope. That's dope. Um, I don't have any announcements per se in regards to like what's coming up, but I will say just follow me and follow what I'm doing because it's I've lot. been super busy <laughs> making appearances, being a part of panels. Just, you know, obviously my job is a job that has certainly gotten a lot of light shown upon it because we've been doing work in the political and social justice field. So um, a lot of people look to us and, and the content that we release and what we put out at Street Roots in regards to how to navigate through the times that we're in. So, you know, I guess, um, like I said, even this morning, I'll give you a perfect example. This morning, some of you may know a couple of weeks ago I was on the news and Istanbul, Turkey, London, and Washington, D.C. for TRT World News. And this morning, I'm just waking up, getting ready to get my day started. Got a work meeting to get into. And literally like 20 minutes before they were going on air for their uh, TRT World News Hour show that they do daily, I get a text message from the producer of the show asking, could I be on in 20 minutes? And you was on it. Literally. And I hopped on it fast. I was on it fast, but I say that to say that's how fast and how rapid things are moving. I literally had to get myself together in 20 minutes to make an appearance in, again, Istanbul, Turkey, London, and Washington, D.C. So um, I say that to say just follow me and follow what I'm doing because, honestly, things are moving so fast right now in a good way in most ways. Obviously, we're in, we're still in some tough times um, with, with where things are socially in this country. But as far as my work in particular and what I would announce on here just follow my socials, Pounce underscore Sation on Instagram and Twitter, or just search Devon Pouncey, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, because I'm putting a lot out sporadically, but it's coming quick. It's coming in fast, it's coming in that. hot. So, it's for that. Yeah, just, just check it out. Check it out. But um, let's get into more content. I honestly think we already got into some yeah, content talking yeah, about uh, the live music 
uh, video that you, uh, the live music performance, I should say, that you released on your YouTube channel. So mm -hmm. make sure y'all go and check it out and give feedback on it. But we got to talk about Bubba Wallace. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know about Bubba Wallace, because I didn't know about him until these last two weeks. For real? I didn't know Bubba Wallace. No. I don't watch NASCAR. I know. I just, you know, I, I mean, I, I cover me being sports. your brother, I think you just know everything. No, yeah, sports. yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I cover sports and have covered sports for four years now, but I've never yeah, covered. The name. Just you know, Sports Center running in the background. I don't Bubba Wallace. Bro. I, I don't know. I didn't know Bubba Wallace until yeah, the last two weeks. Facts. I literally watched no NASCAR. The only thing, uh, my only connection to NASCAR is obviously one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent name in NASCAR, which is Jeff Gordon. Mm -hmm. He was born in the city we grew up in. Jeff Gordon Vallejo. is from Vallejo, and a lot of people don't really know that, yeah. but he's been on, like, Sway's show and talked about it, and if you just look at his Wikipedia, everybody, I get into it with people all the time, they, ah, uh, Jeff Gordon's not from Vallejo. Man, just Google it. Go look. Go yeah. look. You go on Wikipedia, and it'll say right there, Jeff Gordon was born in Vallejo. But that's the most NASCAR content I got for you, buddy. Bubba Wallace, I didn't know who he was before these past Stop couple of weeks. Stop discriminating and watch some, some cars. No, I don't like it. I'm not interested <laughs> in it. I'm not really a car person in general yeah, though outside right. of just nascar <laughs> and nascar is discriminated enough yeah. as we see right now in the moment that we're in yeah. that i don't care if i've discriminated against it yeah, up I've, to this point <laughs> so it really doesn't matter to me based Air on tape. what's coming out right now but um bubba wallace is the only black nascar driver in the um, sport in the sport like i said which is why i don't really care that i if you want to call it discrimination fuck it go ahead um, I don't really care that I haven't watched NASCAR. And like I said, he's been with the times that we're in right now after the murdering of George Floyd and so many others. Um, you know, a lot of institutions have been challenged. A lot of industries have been challenged based on some of the the racial practices that they've performed over time. And although a lot of these institutions have had a lot of power in the past to be able to get away with some of their racial practices and with some of the things consciously and subconsciously that they've done that has created somewhat some kind of power in favor of white folks and not blacks or other people of color. Um, Bubba Wallace was one that challenged the Confederate flag being at race or NASCAR events. Mm -hmm. um, he got a lot of support on it. A lot of people had his back. And NASCAR has officially banned Confederate flags from being at its events. Well, Bubba Wallace had another race, I think, early, earlier this week or over the weekend. And um, this was his first race since the ban. And you had people flying over the event, literally, with Confederate flags. You had an entire, like, party-slash-protest of folks wearing, with, with U.S. flags and Confederate flags, essentially protesting the, the ban on the flag at NASCAR events, and that deriving from Bubba Wallace challenging Confederate flags being at NASCAR events. So going forward, in his garage at Talladega Raceway, um, there was a noose found, and NASCAR reported that there was a noose found. And I want to be very clear about that. Not a person or a Or him. him. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people are getting that confused right now. A lot of people are thinking that Bubba Wallace was the one that reported, that reported and came out that no, there sir. was a noose found in his garage. And it was NASCAR that came out and said it. So, um, obviously... That drew a lot of attention, garnered a lot of attention. Stood and in FBI, solidarity. They, yeah, they stood in solidarity. They, they they did a lap with him where where Bubba Wallace was in his car, and you had all these other NASCAR drivers basically push his car around the track, uh, like you said, showing solidarity essentially. Um, but yeah, with the times that we're in, it's getting a crazy, insane amount of coverage. The FBI then uh, had to do an investigation. Because this is obviously some bullshit. But long story short, investigation investigation got finished up within a few days. FBI says that this rope has been in that garage since last year. So it wasn't as if somebody placed it there the day or near the time of the race and it was discovered in his garage. 
So now you got people calling Bubba Wallace Jesse Smollett because, like I said, people are attacking Bubba Wallace if he was the, as if he was the one that even reported so or now came they're out to make about the only news. black dude in there. They're look trying bad. to make it seem like he's a liar. They're already protesting against him with Confederate flags. They're already challenging what he has stood for, and, and better yet, what he on. has accomplished. And so now that they're saying the noose wasn't placed there and that it wasn't some racist act that took place, that Bubba Wallace is a liar. He's Jesse Smollett. All of this shit. They're talking reckless about Even Bubba the Wallace. NASCAR players? No, not the NASCAR drivers, players, but I'm but just yeah. talking about the, the, the NASCAR community in a lot yeah. of ways. But the That's drivers crazy. stood in solidarity with Bubba Wallace, so not them. But I'm just saying, I, I didn't know since after the fact, since no, they did that. No, no, know, no. Not, like, I haven't heard of okay, any, but like okay. I said again, That's crazy. if you want to call it discrimination, I don't watch and follow NASCAR like that anyway, so I don't know a NASCAR driver to know if they have stood in solidarity since that lap they took with Bubba Wallace or not. I really don't know, and in a lot of ways, I don't care. But Did you hear about the Sean King death threat? I, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. I have it, I have okay. it, but I do. Okay. Okay. I do want to. I do want to finish this with Bubba. Yeah. Um, unless it correlates with yeah, Bubba. I mean, yeah, it's just with all of these death threats and stuff. Okay. He, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. We'll get to that. You know, yeah. Yeah. We'll, after we'll, I want to follow up. Absolutely. With, you know. Please do. Please do. Um. But yeah. So now today, NASCAR actually released the image of the noose, and it indeed is looked, a noose. It is. A, noose. a fucking noose. <laughs> it, like it, there's Why no, was it there? there's no. They're, there they're no saying it was a NASCAR. rope. It was a rope for the garage to to be able to pull the garage up and down. First off, NASCAR, we are in 2020. You ain't doing you that. You to be no having more. a fucking rope mm. to pull down a garage for professional NASCAR drivers is a fucking joke. Get something electronic. Get a remote control that can automatically lift the garage and bring down the garage when needed. You don't need no rope to do that. That's old ancient bullshit and get a grip if that's what you are doing indeed but either way there is nothing about this rope that didn't look like a noose and it indeed was a noose so now i ultimately want to get at um why i can relate to Bubba Wallace in a lot of ways. And I talk about this on the podcast here a lot, but like I said, as somebody that didn't know Bubba Wallace, had no idea who the guy was and just seeing what he's going through and how he's persevering through it in a lot of ways, because he's been outspoken about, you know, he he's strong and he's able to handle all the flack and the pushback that he's getting right now. I think what I love about Bubba Wallace being in this particular moment is that his profession prepared him to be able to withstand it now Touch i don't know racism probably plant plant yeah. i mean being yeah. a nascar being a driver, driver yeah seeing this confederate flag at every single race dealing with rhetoric that may not necessarily relate to his background his being race point where he comes one percent exactly so with that being said I really can relate to that because, like I said, I don't know Bubba Wallace. Haven't really looked into his past beyond really these past two weeks and more so his his NASCAR career. I don't know the trauma he endorsed when it came or he he, he dealt with when it came to racism in his childhood. Right. But when it comes to rhetoric that doesn't necessarily favor blackness as a black person within your profession and having persevered through that. And now it's just all kind of coming to a tipping point because of the times we're in socially, especially in particular after the murder of George Floyd, seeing Bubba Wallace navigate through all of this as smoothly as he has up to this point shows me that the profession, whether it knew it or not, already prepared Bubba Wallace for this because of what he's had to endure and how he's endured it to even be able to be in this position to get to this point. This is where I said I can relate. When I first got into working in media, I had folks in the building that I, I won't ever say that I dealt with a racist encounter personally, but I had folks in the building who, who are big time name folks that spewed a rhetoric that kind of controlled a lot of that particular company because that particular person was a person who had a lot of power within the company. Um, like I said, he and I, I'm not going to say his name, but he and I had an awkward relationship. It was a good relationship, but it was awkward nonetheless because we never agreed on shit. But every morning, every day, 
he and I would debate before we went on to both of our shows and we we ended oddly smiling at each other. We even had a moment in the studio where I was going to the bathroom and he was coming from the bathroom and we both stopped in the middle of the hallway. He got down to take a knee because it's 2017 when the Colin Kaepernick shit was really, really hot. And I got down and I took a knee with this guy in the hallway of the studio and we're both taking a knee you know, in regards to Colin Kaepernick. And I know because I debated with the guy every single morning, he was very critical of Colin Kaepernick. He was and he shit. knew, and he knew I was a huge supporter of Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. So he was so, trying to be funny. So he, he was definitely trying to be funny. But, but what, what was the interesting dynamic of it is I still have a lot of allies from that particular radio station. I was just on the station Two weeks ago, I was on Kanzano's show, who was one of my biggest allies from that station because he was the one that, that really molded me. I was his intern, and he was a big player and why I even got the radio show in the first place and still a friend of mine in life right now. I know his family. He knows me. You know my family. Like, it's good. That's my guy. But because this other guy had so much power in the building, and I had to deal with this guy and the power that he had, but I never stood down to him. In a lot of ways, he actually respected me and he garnered a respect for me because most people in that building really just wouldn't have said shit. Talk to him, when, you know what I mean? They either wouldn't talk to him, they wouldn't say shit because they yeah. knew the position that he held the within the company. The fact that y'all still had an encounter let the you know that, that it was something there. The fact that we had an encounter, it was something there. Despite That's why I said his, it, was, yeah. it was an awkwardly... It was an awkward relationship because we never agreed, but it worked. worked. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I got laid off from the company and I ended up going back to go get my paycheck, my severance paycheck, because party was over. I ran into him in the elevator and he was like, man, I really didn't know that any of this happened to you. I really didn't know this, that and the third and, and anything that you need going forward. I'm here for you. I got you. I haven't spoken a word to this guy since then. Now, some of you also may know the Dina Costa story. His name, I will say, when we both worked at 750 The Game at the same time, and he spewed a lot of this racist rhetoric, and he was somebody who opposed Colin Kaepernick and ultimately talked shit about protesters here in the city of Portland, got canceled, and was fired within no time. But he and I both started our different radio shows on the same station, but I was in the morning from 9 to noon. He was drive time 3 to 6 on the same day. We came in at the same time, and he was put on a pedestal that I certainly wasn't. For one, because, yeah, it was my first time having a show. But for two, the the program director of the station of the first guy that I mentioned who didn't who I won't name, who will remain nameless, was also the program director for the sports show. So because the guy who I'm still going to remain nameless was so successful on that station, when he when it was time for him to bring in these two no, two new shows on the sports station station. Gonzano was the big vouch for me, as I already mentioned. My program director was the one who vouched for this other guy, Dino Costa, who spewed a lot of bullshit rhetoric. So basically what I'm saying, there was this culture in that building where I have guys who don't really fuck with me and people like me in regards to their stance in, in, in politics in regards but you to, knew how to move their beliefs, you was but I knew how to move through it and I felt like I was built for it. And in a lot of ways, that's been my biggest inspiration in getting to the point that I am now. And that's mm-hmm. been one of my biggest inspirations and, and staying steadfast in my profession. And like I said, now I'm making all of these appearances. I got people that really didn't know how invested in the politics that I've been over the last few years because everybody knows me as the sports dude. I played ball, ended up having a sports radio show, host a sports podcast, still doing sports coverage with Portland State, Pacific University, yada, yada, yada. But in this particular moment where everything is coming to a tipping point, I really must say that me having to deal with what I dealt with in radio really prepared me and inspired me over the last few years to take a deep dive into the work that I've been doing. And now that we're at a time socially where I have to step up and speak on behalf of my people and people that support me. And I'm on these bigger platforms that most of y'all have never seen me on before. A lot of that 
has to be credited to the preparation that my profession gave to me earlier on in my career, dealing with some of the bullshit rhetoric that we hear and that's been put out there that we're all talking about and discussing today. And a lot of people are uncomfortable when it comes to discussing it. And here I am ready to step right in because I've dealt with this shit already. Bubba Wallace, I feel like has dealt with this shit already throughout his career. So it's easier for him. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's easy for him than it would be for most to actually step up in this particular moment, grab hold of it and capitalize the way that he's done so and really be strong during all of this, the way that he's done so because his profession prepared him for, prepared him for it. That's good. Good comparison. And so that that's where, like I said, for me not to know Bubba Wallace, but to have become a fan of the guy so quick, I think a lot of it has to do with that on a relatable level rather than me knowing what or who the fuck he is as a NASCAR driver. But bring up this Sean King point because I actually haven't heard anything about it. So I kind of am in a position where I'm looking forward to react. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, for one... I start following Sean King more recently with everything that's going on. I've seen his name come up, you know, multiple times before, but I just recently started following him. He has a slew of information. He seems like he's first with a lot of the stuff that gets exposed when it comes to foul play. People send him that policing. shit. People yeah, send exactly, him because, you, because his of who platform, he is and you know, his platform. It, it, he's getting that shit sent to him all constant. day. And so I think he's valuable to follow just as an African-American man in the world to to know what's really going on and what to look out for so that once again you can always be built and prepared for these encounters and hopefully end up on the right side of it absolutely but furthermore um i seen him post something today then i looked a little bit deeper into it and it really hit home because i moved here to this area from long beach california and um a group of ex-police officers uh, set up a private Facebook group and they all planned to snipe and kill Sean King. Wow. And he said with what he puts out every day, he said he gets a lot of trolls per se to where people threaten his life and all that. But yeah. he said this one was different. It was thought out. They were planning to execute it. Full names were brought to the attention and it's been confirmed that these are ex-police officers wow. aging all the way from, I want to say, 30s to uh, 70 years old. And this is some of the um, verbiage. I'm with you, brothers and sisters, for justice, and I'll be there. Tell me when and where. Does anyone know where this Sean King can be found? I am ready to rock and roll. Let's get it going, boys and girls. Time for a number six. Organize it, Jeff. Roger that, Laura. Toss this guy from a helicopter. Need a sniper? Yes, yeah, some of us may be old, but we still have a sharp eye and a steady hand. Ooh. And some of these anti-Americans need to be set straight. Beware of an old man in a profession where men usually die young. Damn straight, Henry. We need you. You want to sign up? I recommend retroactive birth control or post-birth abortion, whatever you want to call it. Tim Riley, yes it is. But remember, at my age, life in prison is not a deterrent. So here's a Marxist... And what's the rule for communists? Kill a commie for mommy. Better dead than red. And so it begins. The direct. The man who put this tweet out today is a founding member of Black Lives Matter. He also introduced Bernie Sanders at his attempted presidential run. I think Caliph needs to start putting a team together of retired military, police, and NRA members. We have no protection. These criminals that the Democrats created need to be stopped. Woo. These are all credible and verified some sort of police or ex-police officers in a private Facebook group. Sean King said, tell me everything you can about these men and women. California law enforcement. Then he proceeds to show that um, a tweet came out. Long Beach Police Department said it has involved the FBI about the discovery of racially violent threats made in a private, unsearchable Facebook group of retired California law enforcement officers where a group began making plans to murder Sean King. Several were former LBPD. So where I'm trying to tie this into, which, I mean, is far out in in relation to um, a, a murder threat, but if you remember being my brother, no other place in the world did I get 
targeted and bothered more by the police than in Long Beach. For some reason, I had a loud car. I had a, you know, it was a nice car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it attracted a lot of police attention, and they hardly ever gave me a ticket. But they were always nosy. They were always pulling me over and searching in hope to find something more. They never physically mistreated me, but they gave me the runaround multiple times. I'm talking about a dozen times in the course of two to three years type stuff. It it got absurd for a minute. And so to see that three of these are ex-Long Beach police or several of them are ex-Long Beach police, I don't know if it ties in together or makes me feel lucky that things didn't end up worse, but I'm black as it gets. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, had, yeah. I, I don't remember none of these police pulling me over being black. So I say all that to say, it's crazy how when you talk about the death threats and stuff, and it's like, it's people really willing to, to, to do this in order to stop this information that I find so valuable. Dog, we've seen it time and again in history. We've seen the assassination of Martin Luther King, Malcolm. We've seen this. This is not anything they say Michael new. Michael Jackson was the, the assassination. Yeah, in the time like, of like, like we've seen this, and that's why the the noose being in the garage of Bubba Wallace is so triggering because obviously we've seen that in America's history as well. So this isn't anything that we have never seen before. And like you said, I'm not comparing my experience in radio to that of having a noose in my garage by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm saying is I know what the people that were in power stood for Mm -hmm. at the station that I was at. And it wasn't for what I stood for. Right. And, Bubba Wallace, and and I had to still navigate and find my place in there, but knowing the power that they did have, knowing who they were, and knowing that their rhetoric had a massive platform, still does, by the way, have a massive platform, it made, in a lot of ways, my life's work to make sure that I have as big of a platform as I could possibly have for standing up for what I stood for because I know that with the platform that they had and with the rhetoric that they put out there and that they believed in, boy, we got to rebuttal that. Like, we just have to. We just had to. So for me, that was always a fucking inspiration because... I needed to be able to refute that in whatever way I could. Even if it wasn't directly, it had to somehow happen with me being able to utilize my platform to speak to my side of the game because the platform that he had to speak to his side of the game was and still is massive and incredible. It's incredible enough to the point where it was one time I'm in studio. I'm recording this very podcast, by the way, because I used to record this podcast in the studio. And if you do your research and find out who it, who this guy is, I really don't care. I'm just not saying his name because I'm just not saying his name. But one day, even in studio, he had just got back from the White House because he was a part of Radio Row. And for those of you that don't know who Radio Row is, that's when they get some of the biggest radio talk show hosts to go to the White House and they all get to like they're all in a row essentially and they all get to uh interview the president. So he had just interviewed Donald Trump. He got invited to the White House to interview Donald Trump and it was funny because I asked him about it. I'm like, "Yeah, man, so how was it down there in Washington DC? You got to interview Trump, yada yada yada." And he was, "Oh, it was great, man. You know, it, it was interesting because it's been 8 years since I've gotten invited to go do that." And ultimately, he was taking the shot at Obama because Obama was in office for eight years and he had done this radio road thing before when Bush was president, but he never got the invite when Obama was president. But now as soon as Trump becomes president, he got the invite again. So this is the kind of shit that I dealt with within my profession that I don't speak about all the time, but it's definitely stuck with me and has has and it has a place in how I move and the way I maneuver and, the, and, and my reasoning and my push and my passion for really wanting to have a platform, utilize my platform the correct way, and stand up for my side and what I believe. But we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with a bit more content here shortly. Keep it locked.
We back, we back, we back, we back, and we going straight into Taking L's. For those of you that don't know who Taking L's is, I feel like, like I said, being that we're back in studio and we got this energy in studio that I need to reintroduce Taking L's for some folks and what it really is, what it stands for, and what it's all about. Um, Obviously, this podcast is called Wake Up and Win. And, you know, with that, we try to always give you a winning formula on whatever it is that we discuss. Obviously, today we've done, we've discussed, you know, in depth, D-Boy's live performance. And, you know, I thought my way of giving you a winning formula is treat live music like a resume rather than treating live music like a quote unquote viral moment. Um, that's my way in looking at how to win from this particular content that D-Boy released. Um, obviously, we discussed Bubba Wallace, and my winning take on that is, like I said, Bubba Wallace's profession prepared him for this particular moment, and I think that's a win for Bubba Wallace. That's a win for the community, the black community in particular, having somebody like Bubba Wallace be able to step up in this very moment, and I spoke how I felt like my career and some of the things that I've endured throughout my career up to this point has really allowed me to be able to step up and utilize my platform in ways that I've never done so before because of what I was able to endure in my career that prepared me for this very moment. So now I'm able to take advantage of it in some ways. Um, So with this particular segment, Taking L's, we're going to talk about losses or lessons. I won't even just say losses, but since we wake up and win, we give winning formulas. I got to say taking L's is for usually a loss, but a lot of times we know that losses can turn into lessons or an L can just be a lesson and you can really grow from it. So um, some of it, you can look at it as criticism. Some of it, you can look at it as how do we flip this L and turn it into a W because we ultimately waking up and winning around here. So D-Boy, you didn't have a taking L's on the last episode. I got one this week. I'm passing you the rock. I want you to have the first taking L for us today before I give my taking L. COVID-19 is the L. The uncertainty of COVID-19, the unanswered questions of COVID-19, the longevity of how long this has been going on and what it's caused and affected um everything I, I felt like for the first two months I was strongly engaged and keeping up and understanding and now everything is just so barbaric per se that it's like I heard some places opened and then came back and closed. I've been here in Oregon where they was set up until 24 hours before opening and then retracted for another extra week. I'm hearing now that it's a second round of stimulus checks that's about to come out that's going to be generous. I'm seeing more and more businesses go under. Um, It's just not all peachy for everybody just because certain things are open. It's still certain things that are have not been able to bounce back. It's certain things that just doesn't allow you know for business to operate still in certain areas for certain reasons so it's a a, a, we hear about 24-hour fitness just filing bankruptcy yeah so with everything that's going on with it um and the spike i keep hearing about this spike um and to wear masks but i also once again from that first couple months i was engaged i heard masks don't really help you do nothing besides touch your face. It's not airborne. So it's just so many uncertainties that I don't know what's really safe for me to do and not do anymore when I felt like it was a point when I did know that and it was very clear. Social distance. You can go to parks. You can't go to this. Right, right, right. Now it's like half-ass everything, in my opinion. I know. I'm glad you said that and I'm glad you brought that up and it actually made me think about there was a Twitter thread from a doctor um, his name was Dr. Rod, Rob Davidson. And as you were speaking, I went to go find this particular thread because I think it has been and probably will be the best Twitter thread during COVID that we've seen so far up to this point for sure. And unless we see some insanely great shit, this is going to compete as the best thread of COVID-19 until we finally get past this or have a vaccine or whatever the the, the final destination is of COVID season. Um, but basically, I, and I'm going to read this tweet, uh, this Twitter thread, this tweet thread, excuse me, verbatim from Dr. Rob Davidson. He's an ER doctor. And this tweet, and just to give you some context, he tweeted this on June 5th. So um, what is it today? The 25th? So about 20 days ago, about three weeks ago, he tweeted this out. And it says, 
important in coming weeks as COVID-19 numbers stay high or rise in many states, Donald Trump may try to blame it on Black Lives Matter protests. As an ER doc, I can tell you it's a stunt designed to evade accountability and should be refuted ASAP. Here are the facts. We're seeing a spike in cases of COVID-19 in Arkansas, Arizona, California, Massachusetts, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Nevada, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, and Washington. And Florida saw the most cases in one day this week. The cause? The rushed and reckless reopening of America pushed by Donald Trump while failing to implement a national testing program. Reopening may help the president's job numbers, and it's certainly understandable Americans are growing impatient. But we need to do it responsibly, responsibly or cases will rise. And we must have a trace and test program in place. Many docs and public health experts warned about this. The president has a transparent motive to link a rise in COVID-19 to peaceful protests mm -hmm. against police brutality. However, reopening entire states nationwide is far more risky than targeted protests in select cities. We wouldn't see an impact of protests for another few weeks. Further, while there may be risk of getting COVID-19 from gathering close to others, the risk of an African-American man dying at the hands of the police in their lifetime is 1 to 1,000, which means the current state of policing in America is a public health crisis. The difference between these protests and anti-lockdown protests of weeks past, previous protests opposed the very measures that were clearly flattening the curve of COVID-19. And before I continue on what he's saying, he's talking about the folks that were protesting to open shit back up mm -hmm. because they were tired of being in quarantine and being on lockdown and their interest was the economy. See? So giving it's, you that contact, economy. giving you, yeah, yeah, giving you that context there. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to continue forward reading what he said. Please do. This week's protest oppose measures that are killing Americans. They're opposites. The vast majority of protesters against police brutality this week have been shown wearing masks. By contrast, the folks screaming at police in the Michigan State Capitol and the partiers at the pool party in Lake of the Ozarks went out of their way not to wear them. Bottom line, if we see a big, a big spike in COVID-19 cases, it's due to lack of testing and contract contact tracing and a weak president rushing to reopen society prematurely for political reasons. Don't let Donald Trump use politics to rewrite history or shift blame. Black Lives Matter. Wow. What that's a deep. fucking that's thread. A, that's a thread. <laughs> that was a power. Excerpt, thread, whatever you want to call it. Hope, that was serious. I hope that broke down and gave you the answer that you needed that, because you yes. obviously were uncertain. I need you to that to me yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, yeah, that, I ain't the only one, but yeah. that was a great breakdown. That was a great me? breakdown was from a an great ER breakdown. doc. And like I said, to this point... I, and it's funny because I haven't even retweeted it, retweeted what's it, your reposted it. How do you feel about it? I mean, you're around babies. What, like, what's your? How do you feel about it? Are you? Do you feel? Do you take the precautionary? Do you feel like it's a real threatening thing? Do you? What, absolutely, like, your, I, absolutely, I feel it's a real threatening thing, and I'm not in a rush to reopen anything. And what I will say, do you feel because, like it's the permanent new norm? No, I don't think it's the permanent new norm, but I think it is going to create a new norm that will be permanent. And, and as you said, it'll be new, something we've never seen before, and life will never be the same, essentially, That's is what, what I'm saying. saying. You, you um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I guess, but I don't think the place that we're in right now is the permanent new norm. But I think a lot of things are going to change from this moment that will lead to a new norm that I don't know what that new norm exactly is and is going to look like just yet. I still feel like we're too, like, it's still too recent for us to say the moment that we're in right now is the new norm because 
obviously a lot is going to come. Time obviously is going to play a role in what the new norm is going to look like. Uh, as I mentioned, vaccinations is going to play a, new, a role in what the new norm is going to look like. But I certainly wouldn't say right now we're in what the new norm is going to be ultimately. Um, but like I said, that thread I think was the dopest thread and it really broke it all the way down in regards to some of the blame shifting. A lot of people wanting to blame protests and wanting to use that to veer away from you know, the reckless opening in America, as he mentioned, Trump not having a national plan and a national guideline for us to follow. What Trump is doing is, is he's placing the blame. He he's he's basically saying states, counties, you guys decide when shit is going to open up and I'm going to essentially stay out of it. So when anything bad happens, I won't get the credit for it. You'll have to take the credit for it because I left the decision in your hands to make yes. rather than putting a national plan together for us all to abide by. He knows when, he out of here. He knows. He <laughs> here. You know what I mean? Like, like you didn't put a national plan together for us to abide by as a president. That's bullshit. Now, what I am grateful about is we do live in the state of Oregon and I think you know, it's cognizant. Obviously, we're now in phase one in Monoma County, which was the last county to go into phase one. But Oregon, the state of Oregon tends to be smart, smart, and it tends to be more safe rather than sorry. And it definitely hasn't been as reckless as many other places anyway in the country. Absolutely. It's slower than most places. And that's not to say that, like you said, there's shit that I'm seeing that I'm questionable about i guess in regards to you drive by places and it's like damn like it's kind of popping over there do we really want to be in an environment yeah, that's popping I, I right now like said, like i said we, we we're not this usually we'll pass and be like cracking boom boom yeah it's like this shit just really got hot in america like two three months ago like should it be cool like that but all right whatever none of my business you know it is what it is but i'm definitely still um, cognizant of COVID-19 and it's definitely a real thing and something that we need to be very cautious about and, and we need to um, in whatever way we can put our safety into our own hands whether that be still quarantining whether that be taking your vitamins whether that being practicing healthy practices because you know there is still a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of mixed feelings in regards to this pandemic right now and rightfully so because we don't have leadership that is playing its role and making us feel safe and comfortable following his lead because he doesn't want to lead and he wants to put the blame on everybody else by making them the leaders when his position is to lead America. We're just in kind of a fucked up place right now. So, no, I don't think we're handling it well. Like you said, a lot of this shit has to do with the economy. And, you know, I'm not going to really get into kind of the two sides of Republicans and Democrats. But we know um, economic interests and, and Republican and the Republican Party tend to be synonymous in a lot of ways. So I just leave it at that and let folks take it for what it is going forward. But I think that thread explain shit better than I could have ever explained it personally. Yeah. And I, I, I think it clarified a lot of shit for me personally when I read it. And I hope that it clarified some things for you mm-hmm. bringing up that particular topic here. So I'm glad that I was able to use that as a resource there because I thought it was the perfect fucking thread. Yeah. Um, my taking L's, I'm actually going to give it to me today. And the reason why... Whoa. The reason why is... Literally just today, the wife and I, well, she's already watched it, but I haven't. Literally just today, I watched Insecure for the first time. The show Insecure with uh, yeah, Issa Rae. telling me. I mean, and, and I know because I'm, I'm obviously in the culture. I have a massive interest in the culture. I'm on social media and I see and I listen to other podcasts like I don't just podcast and not listen to others like I'm a fan of the sport just like I am in basketball. I grew up playing basketball and I'm a fan of basketball to this very day. Podcasting is the same for me. I'm passionate about this industry. I'm a fan of the sport. I listen to other shows and and, I, and it's really something that's really a part of me and what I do. In fact, I'll even go as far to say podcasting for me I use it for my entertainment and for my consumption far, 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 far more than I do watching TV. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm giving myself an L, but also acknowledging that 
before COVID-19 especially, I was so busy and always so on the move. And like I said, podcasts were kind of uh, more convenient for the lifestyle that I was living. Right. I never sat down and watched TV. When I get home, the kids take over my keep my TV. So yeah, it's, it's always some kid shit on the yeah. TV. And Cartoons. like I said, plus I'm tired and I want to spend time with the family. Like yeah, I just literally chilling. damn near don't watch TV. Like yeah, straight up. I know so, what you mean. So now I'm well, kind of getting power. into watching. It yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm into watching a little. Unless it's Power. Power yeah. was like literally know, Power and Mass Singer. That's the only thing I ever seen you care about. Power and the Mass Singer. I really like that show. That show on TV, that T Pain one, yeah, where they were the cut. Those two shows were the two shows that I garnered interest in, and I never hardly even watched those shows live. Well, Power, I had the app on my phone, the Stars app on my phone, so I I watched it the night before actually. But the Mass Singer, I would I would try to catch up and follow it as much as I could but even this past season like I don't really know what the fuck happened besides Lil Wayne was on there at the beginning of the season and he got eliminated like the first or second episode so I really didn't follow it this last season either and I need to catch up on that because I really really do like that show um but I only watched like the first three episodes to the first season of the day and I think season four three or four whatever season it was just ended like two weeks ago so um, it's been a part of the cultural conversation. A lot of people speaking about this show. It's got a lot of cultural impact, a lot of cultural influence um, because it was the season finale, a couple of season finale a couple of weeks ago. I have been hearing a lot of discussions in regards to the show and you know people's thoughts and feelings because it's a show that I think all black people should really support if you have an interest in it. But mm-hmm. With the success it's having, obviously a lot of people do have an interest in it. Um, But I just want to say, man, after the first three shows, I was hooked. And I'm giving myself an L because while everybody is discussing the finale of season four, I just started watching season one today. So I feel really behind. I feel like I haven't been as in touch with that show and its influence and its impact on the culture as I should have been because it's a really good fucking show. It's very fucking relatable. And, and, and it's a show that I would recommend to anybody that is slacking like me to go check out and watch because it's really, really dope content. And now I have a little bit better of an understanding as to why people are into this show the way that they are. So I'm, I'm just giving out. myself an L for being so fucking late mm-hmm. <laughs> on a show that I've been seeing that I know has gotten a lot of attention over time, but I never took my time in particular to just check it out and, and take a deep dive. So um, now that we're getting ready to actually wrap up this episode, I'm going to go home and binge watch a little bit more Insecure. So that's how we're going to wrap up the episode today, ladies and gentlemen. With that being said, um, D-Boy, let them know where to find you, all that good stuff. D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y. Go look at them new visuals, man. They raw. There we go. There we go. Um, Like I said, Devon Pouncey or Pounce underscore Sation. Um, I've been very, very fortunate to be able to use my platform to really speak out on behalf of a lot of things going on today. Um, A lot of work that I've been doing over the last few years is really coming to the forefront in a lot of different ways right now. So if I were you, I would really suggest you go and follow my social media as I've been trying to keep keep folks as updated as as possible on there and, and really reposting a lot of clips and different stuff for you to go see a lot of the content that I've been putting out there as of late. So, um, you know, grateful for everybody that that comes and supports the Wake Up and Win podcast and listens to the show. Um, We're going to keep getting better with Time Like Wine. With that being said, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay. Oh, first off, give it your all in whatever it is that you do. And now we're going to leave you the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and and go go in. in.